there, Queens. I'm Dr. Leslie Branch. And I'm Lanier Logan, and this is Hear Me. Black women define the narratives that shape us. Hear Me weaves contemporary and historical weekly conversations to create stronger bonds and lasting legacies. Hear Me is a sacred space where we discuss and define narratives that shape and define who society says we are and find common ground on the things that unite us. She is me, I am her, and we are Hear Me. Okay, good morning. We are at episode 10. This is Peekable. You see me me out here, hitting figures no more. Good morning, Dr. Lusty. Hey, good morning. Good morning, my sister. Why is it hella noisy? Oh my gosh. Do you hear that? Who you got over there, Godzilla? Hmm? You just ran (laughs) stuff. (laughs) No, it's throwing garbage people on my balcony doors open so it's super loud so anyway how are you today i'm good you know um again we are grateful and thankful for the uh blessings that are ours uh even though i'm you know tired got this uh bucket hat on because underneath this bucket hat you know these buckwheat grades look uh, a little crazy but you know I'm out here. Okay, okay. So this week is good. You good? What What have you been doing this week? It's been hard for me to get back into the motion of taking a vacation. So I've been like daily. You know, like when you go on vacation, you need a vacation from the vacation. No, because I haven't been on vacation in years, so I don't that's know what that's like. So sorry, you needed you need to get to it, yeah. like this year, COVID and all. And I didn't get on a plane or anything. Like I went back to New York um, to go visit family, and I drove and I stayed in a hotel outside of the city in Westchester. So I felt like I was social distancing, but I saw so many people who weren't. I was just like. Do y'all know me in a pandemic? People were walking on Fordham Road with no mask on. I was like, hello, just because it's hot outside, it doesn't mean that the Rona is not here. Right, so here's the song that popped into my head. As you know, every time um, (laughs) somebody says something, a song, you know, life is a song. It's getting hot in here, so take Take a look. Not on Fordham Road, though. Well, I saw a lot of people damn near with no clothes, like girls with booty shorts that look like panties. I was like, is it really this hot out here? Like, it was just a lot going on. New York City is a really cool place to be. There's no place like New York City, especially in the summertime. But it was funny watching people or interesting watching people try to live a normal summer during COVID. So so what are we talking about today? It's a lot going on. Politics yeah, yeah. as usual. Well, I mean, you know, and that's that's what I love about politics. Um, there's never a dull moment. Um, and there's always something to talk about and something relevant to whatever is going on personally. So today we're talking about uh, Black women and we, we pivoted a little bit. We were going to, you know, talk about 
black women in corporate spaces and, and tech. But of course, you know, we being the contemporary people and, and podcasters that we are, we decided, you know, still the same, still in the same uh, vein, but uh, definitely dealing with Joe Biden's vice presidential pick, right? And, and so we're talking about that today. Kamala Harris, Joe Biden's new vice president pick. And we're going to talk about who Kamala Harris is, how to pronounce her name, because you know people are just going to jack it up intentionally. Or well, maybe. what is her name then? Because you even saying that, I'm just like, oh, I didn't realize that was a thing that people were messing it up. What is it? Kamala? No, Kamala. So Kamala? Yeah, Bakari Sellers put something out about how to pronounce it. I think I saw it on uh, Instagram or either Twitter. And so he phonetically spelled it out. C-O-M-M-A and then hyphen L-A. So All right, that's I'm, just a lot. That's a lot. Come well, on. I mean, would you want somebody jacking your name up? Well, when did we put the emphasis on her name? I mean, when she was running for president, I didn't oh. hear that infinite. Uh, uh, I can't even talk. I didn't just hear so much emphasis or anyone mentioning that they well, were botching up her name. I, I think I'm sensitive to it because I experience it, right? So uh, who messes up Leslie? Well, you'd be surprised, right? So Leslie is a Southern name mostly and people just call me Leslie. And I'm, you know, and when I was younger, I would just overlook it because you know, I didn't feel empowered to correct people. Uh, but then after I got older and more established, I'm like, I will, I will correct you. Right. And so it's, this isn't the, the topic of our discussion, but, you know, back during times of uh, slavery, we had, you know, our ancestors had names, but they didn't take the time to learn what they were. And if they didn't like it, they just shortened it and, or gave you a, a different name or, you know, called you the N word mm -hmm. outside of your name. And so, yeah, with politics being the power to decide, pe people will either intentionally or unintentionally decide they're either going to learn how to pronounce her name properly or just call her whatever it is they think her name is, right? So it's not mm -hmm. Kamala, it's not, it's not um, Kamala, it's, you know, and, 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 and that is, that so is what is it? It's Say, Kamala, Kamala. Kamala. Right, Kamala Harris. So, I mean, I think pronouncing someone's name is very important. I'm big on that too, my first name, but I just don't remember it's not like this is the first time we're hearing about her in the last year, right? So even when she was running for president, that nomination, I don't really recall people messing up her name or that even being a compensation. But I guess it could be brought up at any time. I mean, I'm really more curious about the excitement. So it just seems like um, there's so much attention being brought to her being a black woman 
being the vice president nomination, it just seems like it's important to the Black community. And all I see yet again is another smoke spring of another Obama. Like we're literally running back to aesthetics Mm -hmm. and oh, what it looks like to have a Black woman as the vice president. And I just feel like that's what gets us tripped up all the time. We need to not really be focusing on um, getting the first Black female vice president, but more so the more qualified person. I mean, is she really going to, what is she going to add to pushing us forward? So representation matters, right? Um, And so picking a Black person, particularly a female, is is important. Representation does matter. There's a psychology to it, if you will. People will be if if you can see yourself in in a position vicariously then you are more apt to believe that you too can achieve such a a status so representation is important and it does matter but you know i well i totally but i get that right i don't think that that's really the issue i think that we're all very clear but at this point i don't think that that's a smart focus when kamala harris doesn't even really support anything that's happening with us i'm just not i i know that i wasn't in favor of her anyway when she was running for president and i think it's interesting now that in the state in the condition that biden is in you can tell like he's clearly not well And I'm not a medical physician, so, you know, I shouldn't get into the habit of throwing around diagnoses, but he does seem like he is struggling health-wise. So whether he has early onset dementia or something, I just think it's interesting because if she is the vice president and they win, something happens to him, then she would end up being the president by default. And... Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know if I want her. Like, I just, I don't know. Seems like it would still be having Clinton and, um, not Clinton, but. Obama. Obama in office. Like, she was a part of the 94 crime bill as well. Like, there's yeah. so many people I just, between her and Biden together and the amount of Black people they locked up. I just don't see this defunding the police going far. It's a lot of things that I just feel like it's going to be dismissed. So we're damned if we do, we're damned if we don't. So so I, I definitely agree with the point that you made about um, people getting all excited because it's a black woman on the ticket. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and my hope is that we learned from the eight years that Obama was in office and that we definitely can't just be in love with the, the vision because that should not be the, um, that should not be the prize that black folks or any citizen gets uh, the, the, the aesthetic of who just based on looks and, and, and phenotype is in office. And so I do hope that we, will hold 
if if those two get elected, I do hope that the black uh, community will hold Biden and Harris's feet to the fire in terms of uh, campaign promises and things like that. Again, we we didn't learn that lesson from uh, Obama's presidency. And to your point, you know, we have lost major ground because, oh, to my mind, Obama didn't articulate a uh, a policy agenda that was beneficial to blacks and not just because we were blacks, but because blacks and particularly according to uh, Malcolm X, the black woman is the most disrespected, the most uh, unprotected. And, and so the black woman, according to Malcolm X, is the most marginalized person in the United States. And because policies weren't created in such a way to protect her, then there were a lot of people who left, who, who went unprotected. Because my thing is, when you create social and economic and political, social and economic policies, and you don't go all the way to the margins to get the people who are the most impacted, and you start, say, in the middle, there is a whole segment of people, and it doesn't matter what color they are, that you are leaving socially vulnerable because you're not creating policies to protect them. And part of the government's job, one of its main two responsibilities, is to protect the rights of its citizens. Well, we know that that is something that's been an ongoing fight. I mean, the laws weren't necessarily created for Black men either. So we're definitely impacted in that way. But I think what's interesting is something that you said was that we needed to hold them to the fire. Mm -hmm. But what does that even look like? We can't even hold the current administration to the fire or even accountable for their actions or lack of actions. So when we say hold them accountable or hold them to the fire, like what power do we really have? They're literally going to say what they need to say and do what they want to do. Um, I know like my friend just said to me yesterday that like she's um, a career Democrat. So Mm -hmm. most likely those are the ones that are always for the rich. Like they're never really passing anything, any laws or doing anything for us. And they kind of favor more on the Republican side, even though that they're Democrats. And I thought that was interesting that he said that because I never really, I didn't realize how much that made sense. So I do want to kind of talk about some of her previous positions Mm -hmm. and some of the things that we were in an uproar about, because I know there were so many rumors that was going around when she was running for president um, that people found it hard to get behind her. And so now it seems like we have no choice. Right. I definitely see people saying things like, all right, well, we don't got no choice. We got to get him and Pence out of there. So vote, you know, Kamala and Biden. And I'm just like, here we go again. Well, you know, (laughs) it's interesting that you say that because 
when she was running for president, I co-authored a think piece in Blavity that talked about the concern for big money in politics. And when we were still in the stages of whittling down the field of Democratic presidential candidates, it was that the phenomena that was happening was all of the candidates of color were getting outspent. So Andrew Yang, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker, uh, who else was uh, a candidate of color? Uh, I can't remember if there were others, but those, those are the three or four that come to mind. And Mike Bloomberg hardly appeared in any debates, but he was just throwing his billions around to buy ad time on TV in specific states that nobody knew who he was. And as a result, he was able to make gains and stay in office. And I actually, in that op-ed, compared Kamala Harris as a black woman. She was the black version of Mike Bloomberg in New York City, right? Because under Mike Bloomberg, stop and frisk really expanded. And, and just the, the, the racialization of blackness, particularly in, in young men, really just took off. And it was concerning to me that the will of the people as it related to Mike Bloomberg was was being circumvented, right? So people, blacks really weren't getting behind Kamala Harris. And so- Well, that's because she doesn't have any clear positions, right? Like I've never, she dances around a lot of things. So with regards to healthcare, right? So I know that she co-sponsored uh, Senator, her and Senator Bernie Sanders, a Medicare for All Act. And I think that happened in like January 2019, something mm -hmm. like that. And originally she was mentioning that she wanted to eliminate private assurance. And then later she backtracked and was just kind of like, um, she wanted to get rid of the waste and the bureaucracy and private insurance. But she still hasn't like given her position on private health insurance in its entirety and it's stuff like that that makes me just kind of look at her and just like i think that her views are probably more aligned with republicans well she's more of a centrist democrat but because she's now not a presidential candidate or the democratic nominee her positions become what joe biden's positions are and so not necessarily though well, she she has to support his agenda. She has to support his agenda. But if he's removed, I think we have to stop looking at things in one way. If he's removed and she becomes president, we're focusing on her issues. We also know that like, even though she's supporting his issues, there's nothing that you could tell me that they're not going to come to an agreement on something that she wants. Everything is like a barter. Well, that's true. And, and, Joe Biden did say, and I'm paraphrasing, that anytime he has a decision to make, 
he wants her to be the last one in the room. He wants her to hold him accountable and he wants her to tell him the truth. And so I'm imagining all of that is relative to what her positions are on whatever the issues are that he is seeking her counsel on. And so to your point, she will weigh in on issues based on how she sees them. And, and so, so for now though, neither of them are in office, assuming they are victorious in November, 2020 and assuming Trump uh, <laughs> hasn't, hasn't successfully and totally uh, co-opted what it means to be a democracy, he will leave office and they will assume the presidency and the vice presidency. Well, he's already trying to steal the race again. He's trying to steal a race because he's talking about putting a pause on uh, mail, on um, the budget, right. on uh, U.S. postal mail. Like, he's just, he's he's continuing to throw tamper, temper tantrums um, and doing all of these things in front of us. Mm-hmm. And I think, so my thought on that is, is like, he's, he's so inappropriate. And he's also so honest in the things that he's doing that he should not be doing. But we're about to lose that going with Biden and Kamala Harris because they know how to speak. They know how to swindle people. So what are we supposed to be doing to hold them accountable? What does that look like? Us as the general public, what does that look like holding them accountable? So here's, here's what I would say to that. And if they are smart, and this is not to suggest that they are not. They are not. Well, they are. (laughs) Stop it. (laughs) They are not. Well, hot sauce, chicken, circuit stuff. They are not. So, so here's what, here's what I would say. If they are true to what it is that they believe in restoring the soul of this country, what they will do is not only look at the hot flaming Cheeto mess of the current administration, but they will also look at some of the faux pas of the last administration and the last administration being the Obama administration. So and what they what, wait wait let me finish let me finish okay. and what and what they will do is follow the mistakes that were made at the midterm election because that is how the people hold the administration accountable so what do i mean by that when obama came to office he had a democratic senate and a democratic house And so both the legislative and the executive branch were in one party. And by that, by that, uh, by that phenomenon, with that phenomenon being in place, he should have been able to do a whole lot more in terms of a legislative agenda. But for some reason, 
that was not the case. And if Kamala, if Kamala and Joe are true students of politics and how things work, the power to decide, what they will do is listen to the will of the people and, and they will create policies that lift people out of poverty, that provide opportunities for people without this, these policy prescriptions that expect people who are least able to, to jump through 10 hoops and walk on hot coals and grab a lamb out of a lion's mouth, right? And, and if they are able to do that, come the midterm elections during their presidential, uh, their, their presidential, their first presidential term, they will be able to retain both houses. So in their second uh, lame duck term, they will be able to create policy and, and legislation and perhaps make some court appointments that will continue a progressive agenda that helps the most marginalized, including the middle class in this country. Because what's happening in this country is the middle class is being eroded. And, and without a middle class, you don't have a democracy. Without a free press, you don't have a democracy. And so that is how we, the people, hold those two accountable if they should win the presidency. Um, it just seems like every, if that's the approach, I still don't even think it's a good one. Partly because we're not heard, even with the people who are, who are speaking the most, the loudest. Right now, we are the demographic that are the loudest, right? Mm -hmm. Even though they're not airing any of these marches anymore, there's still protests and things that are happening. And there are some states, even in Tennessee, that they're trying to push it to make it to where it's a federal law. You can be arrested and charged and sentenced to six years in prison for protesting. These are some of the things that are that takes away your freedom of choice, your freedom um, to speak. And I'm just wondering. So given, given the, the sandbox we're in and the rules of the game, right, we still have freedom of choice. We can choose to not choose or we can choose or we can write in or if we choose to not participate at the federal level, we can do things at the local level. So it's not that we don't have freedom of choice. We just may not like the choices that we have to pick from, right? So on this dollar yeah. menu, we don't like any of these choices. No. Uh, right. And so we're just not going to pick anything from the dollar menu. So wait, what would happen if Biden wins? That means uh, Kamala Harris wins. Mm -hmm. And then something happens and he no longer is president. Then she has to pick a vice president and she becomes president. So, yes, I, I, so I'm not 100% clear on what happens. So let's take a look at um, the, the Kennedy 
the the Kennedy presidency mm-hmm. because he was assassinated and then his vice president became president and and that was Lyndon Baines Johnson and then he, I I imagine he Baines Johnson selected another uh, presidency um, what do you call it vice president and so I let, let me just quickly um, research that to find out uh, how it happened how did LBJ pick VP right what I'm I'm uh, I'm typing something. I was just like, wait, why why is it <laughs> what is happening right now? So but somehow, so so to your point, should something happen to Biden, and we we actually talked about this it, we did have a session on um on uh Biden and, and black women and, and VP. So mm-hmm. but uh should should something happen to Biden and uh, Kamala become president, she would definitely have to pick a, a new running mate, whether or a new vice president, whether or not. Uh, so there was there was at that point no provision during the Kennedy assassination. Uh, there was no provision for appointing a new vice president, but then there was the ratification of the Twenty Fifth Amendment to the Constitution on February 10th, 1967, when Johnson assumed office following Kennedy's assassination, the Speaker of the House uh, was John John McCormick, and the President Pro Tem of the Senate was called. So President, uh, let's see, blah, blah, blah. So the, the 25th Amendment basically is the mechanism for how we have the how it would be resolved in terms of who would become vice president if Kamala assumes the presidency if something happened to Biden and so obviously she will pick somebody that she believes will complement her and what her agenda is and, and but this is, you know, the, these are the provisions or the, the, the ground rules for how this whole thing kind of works. So what, are, what is his position? What are they running on right now? Do we know? So they definitely are battling for the soul of America. Well, battling for the soul, but have they spoken out on specific things that are of interest to them? They likely have. Um, I know that. Hang on a second. They, the the his main came his main really campaign. <laughs> I sound southern. <laughs> his main his main campaign platform. No, his main campaign platform is. We have to restore the soul of this country and, and help us to get back to being a, a respected player on the world stage. 
So I don't, I don't know. Some some of his his campaign issues. Um, let's say he's proposing gun gun violence. Uh, not proposing gun violence. Um, he's proposing to deal with issues of gun violence uh, because it it is just ridiculously rampant. And and you know, on a side note, my girl, uh, New York AG Tish James, she's suing the NRA. Did you hear about that? Who? Oh. Letitia James, the uh, oh. the New York Attorney General. Why she's, is she suing them? Because they are just mismanaging the money and using it as a personal piggy bank that the membership pays in to mm -hmm. it, right? So she wants she's suing them for, I guess, fraud and and whatever else they are are doing that isn't isn't proper. Um, so let's see. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, <clears throat> Where are some of the skills that you think they'll be united on? Well. So I'm interested to see like the direction of the conversation that relates to climate change or marijuana legalization. Um, I know that she was heavy as a supporter of that in California. Uh, Kamala who, who, Harris. Kamala of of ma marijuana legalization? Yes. Oh, okay. Um, now, she oversaw hundreds of marijuana-related convictions. Yeah, I know. Uh, but she now supports legalization of marijuana. So that would be interesting. Um, it would be interesting to see if they talk about gun control. So right now, the biggest things that impact all of us, and not just Black people, but police officers are running rampant mm -hmm. across, literally across the country. Every day there's a new video, two to three new videos of police violating the rights of black people or being showing the huge treatment, disparity in treatment of how they approach situations. People who haven't even been convicted of a crime just how they approach. So I'm wondering how are they gonna approach that issue? How are they going to lead with that in the conversation? Because I noticed that a lot of times politicians will shy away from that because no one wants to battle the police unions. Right, well, I mean, and police unions are extremely powerful, but some of, some of Joe Biden's political positions as it relates to uh, <clears throat> camp, uh, capital punishment and the death penalty, he believes that it should be abolished. In terms of cash bail reform, he believes that it should be ended. In terms of uh, cocaine sentencing disparities, the, the disparity should be scrapped. Wasn't he a part of the 93 crime bill, though? Right. And, but, but here's the thing, and, and I suppose that in this moment and a lot of other moments leading up to this moment, because we, as people who are disparately treated, 
now have the wonders of technology and even before technology we have been talking about these disparities and pointing them out but because they are demonstrated and dramatized in a way that people can actually see it they now understand it and and um <clears throat> and are you know on board with it so whether or not it is just for political uh, theater. I do not know, but I tend to not believe it. And part of the reason I don't believe it is because of how widely these issues are being dramatized. I mean, it is worldwide that people are screaming out against the disparate treatment of black and brown bodies and so it it it's literally the collective planet that is screaming to people who didn't get it and even even people who didn't get it who now get it are probably best able to articulate so the the allies mm -hmm. they are able to articulate why these these things that nobody thought was a problem before is a huge problem. And so what comes to mind is Drew Brees. Initially, when his teammates were taking a knee and speaking out about taking a knee during mm -hmm. the anthem, he, you know, tried to clap back and say he wouldn't have anybody disrespecting the flag because his family members were veterans and all like that. And so his teammates clapped back and said, you know, uh, you are emphasizing the, the wrong thing. It's not that we are disrespecting the flag. We're not protesting the flag or the anthem. What we are protesting is police brutality. And because in this country, sports has become equated with patriotism if if at a professional or other kind of sports event when the anthem is played if you kneel somehow you are deemed not a patriot and mm -hmm. so once drew Brees was schooled and understood what the protest was about and and essentially you know he he got checked and so once he was educated, he then understood and then articulated the position that his teammates were articulating. And then Trump came for him. Oh, it's disrespectful, this, that, and the other. And so, but I think, so I think we're past that though. I don't think that people don't understand what we're kneeling about, right? Like, I don't think that people don't understand or can't see that the police are in wrong. I don't think that they want to hold them accountable. And well, I think that's, that that's what's important. Um, I also know that something that's big for us is the pandemic, right? And just these economic stimulus packages and the amount of money, um, large black, large businesses that are taking all of the money for small businesses that should be utilized. Like, right. I would like to see those issues attacked. I would like to see um, 
something happen when it comes to healthcare and how people are being cared for. And I really would like to see some honesty and transparency when it comes to these numbers for the coronavirus. Because I do think that we are going to be on a lockdown again. Mm -hmm. And I almost foresee us conveniently being locked down around election time. Whether it's prior or it happens where where it spills into elections. So I'm curious to see how does this impact debates? So debates debates can you know be held virtually i i think that's where the country is headed on that right so a lot of the political rallies that we would have typically seen now and that will certainly pick up after the labor day holiday Mm -hmm. they will most likely happen virtually and i believe the first one the first debate is scheduled for the end of September mm-hmm. and and Trump is arguing for a fourth debate. There typically are three debates, but um, I, you know they they will likely be held virtually just because we can't have people packing auditoriums, not social distancing, not knowing who has what to hear what four two people on a stage have to say. Uh, but oh, I'm sorry. And, and there was something in the news <clears throat> that I saw a couple of days ago that Trump is already gearing up for debate prep with, with uh, <laughs> Biden. So he's got his boy, Chris Christie, you know, acting as uh, his, his sparring coach, if oh. you will. And um, so he, I think he understands that he is up against a formidable opponent in Joe Biden. And Trump does not have the sentiment of the country behind him. People who voted for him in 2016, according to the news, it's questionable whether they are going to, if, if he can count on their support again. Well, the people who voted for him the first time around, especially when it related to race, they voted, they will vote for him again. Right. Just but, because he was looking to poach people who were focused on hate. Now, white women were the number one vo- voters mm-hmm. for and supporters, probably about like 54% right. of white women um, for Donald Trump. So it would be interesting to see how many white women would actually vote biden and then plus you have a black woman in office i could see the numbers for white women drop i think they're going to be much much lower for kamala and biden so i i think what people will really need to do is focus on their pocketbook and it's interesting to me right because People need to vote their economic interests. That's what I mean by focus on their pocketbook. And so what candidate has the best economic policies that are going to allow me to live 
better for the next four years than I have Trump. lived. And what? No. The economy but, is at I'm, depression. I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm coming to where you are and I'm going to uh, lay hands on you. I'm going to reach, so, I'm gonna reach no. out and touch you. <laughs> First of all, none of them, but also Trump. He's so there are things that he's putting in place for businesses that are benefits for small businesses, right? And I I don't care for him at all. Like I I don't even refer to him as our president. But there are some things that he's doing that we could benefit from. So in terms of economic, like how like a party or them putting things in place for our interests. It depends on what your interests are. If your interest is business, Trump is really putting things in place to where businesses are are benefiting. So if if suburban Every person is not an entrepreneur, so if you're going to say vote interests for their pockets, then I'm going to say no one. Well, so you said white women essentially carried Trump to the presidency in 2016. I mean, you saw it by the numbers. No, no, no. I, I get that. But yeah. it, over those four, over, over these four years, what has the economic status of these white women that put Trump in office? And if their pocketbook ain't looking right, and I said ain't, and that was bad grammar on purpose, for emphasis, if their pocketbook is not looking right, mm -hmm. they should pay attention to where they are socioeconomically. So did you, were you better off economically under the eight years of Obama? Not paying attention to what color the brother was, but what was the status of your green backs? Were they more or were they less? What is the status My, of your being, what is the status of your greenbacks now under this current administration? Are they more or are they less? And so politicians skillfully get people to focus on stuff that ain't even issues. Or if they are issues, they're not issues that people should be paying attention to because what is most important to the average person is can they live a decent life, make a decent living, and provide for their family? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say Black people, look, I don't, and I don't know what the numbers are, so this would be me just speaking without the benefit of intellect for the purposes of this. No, you, you, are in, you have benefit of intellect. <laughs> So, you, you are looking at trends and, and, and hypothesizing. So go I, ahead, sister. I, yeah. I, I just yeah. don't see any of that benefiting Black people, though, because there are, I personally have been doing well, because it doesn't matter who the administration is. I'm going to get it out the mud anyway. Like, I'm going to be okay. But when I think about the majority of African-Americans if they don't have the skills they need, if they don't have, if you have the majority of a population with criminal backgrounds, sorry, with criminal backgrounds, with um, 
underemployable skills, how do they vote their interests? Because they're heavily impacted by every move, every lack of decision. Um, those individuals are the ones who are going to be struggling. So how do they realistically vote their issues? Because neither party is doing things in favor of them. So, but because we are in this Overton moment where we have the opportunity, we have the appetite, and it's not considered excessive or too progressive or socialist to implement these policies and these changes, this is the moment for Kamala and Biden to do these things. This is the moment for people who have an appetite for voting in the 2020 election to install a government that understands that they can't just do politics as usual, mm -hmm. that they have to now listen to the people who have installed them and create policies and legislation based on the issues that are disparately impacting them. And again, not just black issues, economic issues. There are a whole bunch of poor rural white folks, poor urban white folks. I don't care about those people. But, but they can't get away with not caring about them anymore because how, these issues so, have been so okay, politicized. So All right. It's okay for them. They can't forget about them, but it's okay for us to get forgotten about. No, I'm not, I'm not saying that. People. I'm not saying that. But if we look at things from an economic perspective, right? So part of the problem with this country is things are always getting racialized. And part of the reason I would suggest they get racialized is because we are not a homogenous society, right? In Europe, they don't, in, 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 West, in Western Europe, they don't have no problem with creating all of these social safety nets because most of the people that are benefiting from them are European white folks. But we have a problem in this country creating social safety nets in, on a broad scale like they existed during the uh, Great Society and, and, and the New Deal because they have now been racialized. This country can't stand to feel like they are giving anything to a black person. But because the world has spoken out and is now saying, look, America, what you're doing to your black and brown citizens is just not acceptable. They can't ignore that, right? So even though the world doesn't vote in our elections, through the court of public opinion, through protest politics and everything else, America has to, they, they can't just continue politics as usual because if they do, this country is gonna become a failed state. Well, it's already a failed state. We live here, we know it's failed. And I just, I question um, the fact that the decisions that they'll be, make, they'll be making will benefit. It, it always excludes us. 
it always excludes us. You'll get like a little piece of something, a crumb of something, but it always excludes us. So I'm curious about what we could expect from Kamala. So as the vice president, what do you think some things, initiatives or some things she might push and focus on? Well, again, because she is now in the number two slot, I believe that she's not going to necessarily have a separate agenda. But whatever, like, even if it's his agenda, like, what do you think? uh, Well, again, I I think she's going to particularly uh, since his, his position on, on certain issues, like I said, capital punishment and the death penalty. I Mm -hmm. think that she's going to support his position and call to abolish it. Uh, given her uh, her his, her um, experience as a uh, prosecutor around issues of bail reform, I think she's going to say you have to end cash bail reform because the people who don't have the cash end up staying in jail the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think in terms of drug sentencing and the disparities around them. I think she's going to say, you know, scrap those disparities. I think that uh, mandatory minimums, and, and again, I'm speaking to these policies or, or policy uh, issues because of her role as a former prosecutor. I think that uh, she's going to support his position on eliminating mandatory minimum sentence in terms of private prisons i think she's going to support his 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 uh, position that they should be eliminated because what they do is capitalize on the least uh the 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 they they capitalize off of imprisoning black and brown bodies mm-hmm. i think that uh in terms of minimum wage I don't think the federal minimum wage is even $15 yet, but in some states it is. And I believe that, you know, she will support his, his uh, position that the federal minimum wage should be raised. You know, Joe Biden is in favor of support paid, uh, paid family leave and sick leave, right? You get sick and you don't, you, you lose your, you get to take family leave, but in an unpaid way. Well, I mean, how does that help you, <laughs> right? Because if you can't pay to keep the roof over your head because you're sick or a family member sick, what, what kind of sense does that make? Uh, and I really think that the, the, the issue of reparations, it has just been in the fore in a very prominent way. And I believe that beyond studying, even beyond studying the issue of reparations, there may be programs that are not reparations in the, in the literal sense, but programs that are put in place in a reparations-like way to benefit the the uh black 
the descendants of enslaved Africans who this country benefited off of their labor for centuries. And so, again, because the, the role of the vice president is to support the president, I, my, my hope is that they will learn from the issues, they will learn from the, the, the faux pas of the Obama presidency and not just exclude and, and chastise and tell black people to stop eating fried chicken and pull up their pants and you know that they mm-hmm. will do make some <laughs> structural policy changes that help them to to get to the position that the policy is sort of asking them to get to and and black and brown people want the same thing that other folks want they want safe neighborhoods they want good schools they want good jobs, but because of structural racism, no matter what, in some instances, black and brown people do, the, the system still bets against them. I mean, and yes, I'm not suggesting that they shouldn't work hard and, and stuff like that, but even in this country, right? Think about who Kamala Harris is. She is the daughter of an Indian woman, and her mom's not here. May her soul continue to rest in peace. And she is the daughter of a Jamaican, I believe, uh, yeah, father. He was a plantation owner, though. So, but um, a, go ahead. He was, um, I think, a plantation owner or something like that. Oh wow! Her, her great grandfather. Okay. Like that. I read that. I mean, I don't know why that was significant in one of the articles that had came out, Mm. but um, I I know why. Why? Well, I I I believe why. It's to sow division, but again, the fact that her parents are not uh, of the ilk of being descendants of enslaved Africans in the United States, mm-hmm. white, white people tend to look at Caribbean blacks as higher than uh, American blacks. Which is precisely why I don't want her leading the conversation or a part of the conversation of reparations, because some people just don't get it. And I don't necessarily see her as even identifying as black. Like I think the first time I really heard about her being Jamaican was recently. And I'm just tired of like these things being thrown out there to get black people riled up. Oh, we got a Jamaican in the White House and she's a woman and she's an AKA and she's a black woman. And I'm just like, well, could there have been other choices? Like, what about um, Stacey Abrams? Would she have been a better choice? And Why that's, Kamala? Right, that's a great question. Um, and so I don't know, obviously I wasn't a fly on the wall and I was not privy to the, uh, 
to the vetting process, my invitation to it must have gotten lost in, the, in, the, in my spam mail or something like that. But as I understand it, and, and you know, like most of uh, America, I'm learning as things become reported in the news about how these things unfolded. And mm -hmm. it was reported that Kamala at some point worked with Joe Biden's son, Bo. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that. And I guess most of America had no idea about it either. So it could very well be that because there is some, I don't know if I would refer to it as um, personal history, but because there is a, you know, work history of those two working together, perhaps that influenced uh, Biden's choice, Biden's pick, in terms of um, selecting Kamala over Stacey or over any of the other candidates. Well, I think in any event, no matter what the outcome is, like we now have the choices, right? We have yeah. Biden, we have uh, Kamala Harris, and we have Pence and Trump. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, the call to action that I would ask the audience is to really focus on getting to know both Kamala and getting to know Biden and really paying attention to these debates um, and putting, making even a list of things that are important to you and really seeing if they're speaking on these issues and what their plans are so that you can decide which part of the fence are you going to go with? Are you going to stay with the current um, trash administration because <laughs> you feel like they're no better than Trump, um, not Trump, um, Biden and Kamala, or are you looking to hopefully create some sort of change and you feel passionate that Biden and Kamala together can bring that change? I definitely think that people just need to research. Like, let's not focus on the fact that she's a Black woman um, or, you know, that she's an AKA or any of her affiliations. Mm -hmm. Just really get to know her. Like, really get to know her. Really look at her track record, her 24 years of being an a attorney general. Um, what are some of her choices I know there were issues that she was aware in a previous case of um, a technician that was illegal uh, and was faulting cases. I think it ended up in 600 cases being thrown out, uh, dismissed, because it was found out that he was um, sabotaging the results. Hmm. So... And she knew about that and didn't bring that information into one of her cases. So I think we really need, if we're going to hold people accountable and we're really going to be um, clear, I think the most important thing we can do is really listen to the words, really hear what they're saying um, and being clear about why you're choosing either party, right? right. Trump, Pence, or 
just be clear, like list your own things that are important, three top issues, maybe even four that are important for you. And then really see if they, who's speaking to that? Who's uh, speaking to a solution? And more importantly, like who do you believe um, is actually gonna see this through? I think um, a lot of people are probably just have zero faith. I know for me, I just, I think he's going to steal the election. I don't think he's going to win the election. I just think he's going to steal it again. So um, unless someone's talking about also how to like not steal elections, that's really important. It will be interesting to see if they're talking about that. Do you have any book suggestions? So I, not book suggestions, but article suggestions. And I kind of take the the same tack that you do around black women and, and, and Kamala and, and things like that. And, and so again, quoting Malcolm X, who I just love dearly, and, and I just love his, his politics and, and how he, he really advocated for uh, black folks. He said that uh, the, the most disrespected person in America is the black woman. The most unprotected person in America is the black woman. The most neglected person in America is the black woman. And so it's, it's kind of a Dubosian around the theme of double consciousness. So people mm-hmm. frame black women as the problem. And, and so we have to deal with that, but then people also frame us as in some ways, whenever stuff goes wrong, they, they are looking to us to, to fix things, right? And so given this, you know, why would a black woman wanna subject herself to this type of abuse um and and you know it's it's just very interesting to me that people's jealousy of black women is just so strong when you know we are the 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 most marginalized of of people in this country whether or not people actually believe it and and so in terms of book suggestions, calls to action, let's just not only in the case of Kamala Harris, but just in terms of one another, let's be the type of black women that straighten our sister's crooked crown, right? Not just, not throw shade at her, right? Cause none of us are perfect. And the stuff that we do a lot of times is because that's how we were socialized to do it. Uh, and, and so as the creatures, as the women that are subject to the most harm, uh, we don't need to engage in self-hatred or hatred of our sisters. In terms of what I would recommend for our readers uh, for this uh, podcast are two articles. One is Why Black Women Are Better Leaders, and it's a Forbes article. And I'll definitely uh, ensure that the link to this article is in the show notes for episode 10. And then also there's an article in Fortune uh, on CNN 
that talks about Fortune 500 CEOs and how only 38 of them are women, but of those 38, zero of them are black or brown or Latinx women. Okay. Um, I, my book suggestion is Say It Louder, Black Folders, White Narratives, and Saving Our Democracy by Tiffany Frost. I personally haven't read this book. It was referred to me. Uh, I know I had mentioned to a friend that it just seems like Black women are always expected to save the day. Mm. And I'm wondering if this is also a ploy or people's hope uh, that Kamala Harris would be coming in to like save the day. Oh, so, you know the song's playing in my head, right? What? Clean up woman. Clean up woman. Yeah, they, they made a mess and now they want her to come in with a mop and clean it up. Yeah, I mean, pairing her with Biden, I can't help but think about that and seem like that seems pretty accurate um do you have any final thoughts so final thoughts you know these are these are the the candidates and november 20th is i guess 80 something days away there's this countdown to election do your homework people it's either we continue with what we have or we take a gamble and select uh, these two new contenders and give them a shot. And hopefully they will uh, not forget about us. And yeah, we could just leave it at that. I mean, whether we like the candidates or not, I do think that um, this is just gonna be an interesting turnout. Um, and if, Biden and Kamala really do win. I'm curious as to how Trump is going to leave the house. <laughs> if he's going to throw a temp temper tantrum, say he's not going, like, are we going to have to force this man out of that house or not? So um, whatever you do, just take this seriously, right? Um, if you're choosing not to vote at all, then that's the hill that you stand on and die on and stick to that. Just be more effective to local politics or even um, the ballot will allow you to vote for other things. You don't necessarily have to just focus on voting for president. I think there are other things that are on the ballot as well for you to vote. So just completely not voting in its entirety or showing up, maybe just think about what choices you want to choose for everything else. Um, but in any event, uh, thank you for joining us today, talking about Miss Kamala Harris. Um, I know the one thing that is important, there's still plenty of spaces and tables that are a first for Black women. So in either way, keep striving, stay safe, and stay Rona free. Yes, Rona free.
And this is episode seven. Uh, no, uh, ten. <laughs> I'm just going to go backwards. Uh, thank you and good night, everyone. It's good morning. Good night. Uh, good morning. On that note, it's a Rizzing. Thank you for joining us. You can catch our latest episodes every Tuesday. Hear Me is on Spotify and iTunes. And it's executive produced by me, Leslie Branch, and Lanier Logan. And big thanks to Lil Salastro who produced the beat. Till next time, hear me.